0: Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 161. Peace is something we crave, don't we? I mean, we we want inner peace. Nobody likes to be anxious. Nobody likes to be stressed. In fact, when we find ourselves anxious or stressed, we try to figure out how to relieve that sense of unrest as quickly as possible, don't we? Well, it is no surprise to you that uh, for most of you, you'll know this. Jesus taught frequently about peace. In fact, in fact, Jesus' whole life story, if you begin at his birth, the first song The angel sang at his birth, Glory to God in the highest peace on earth. I mean, it sort of frames the whole story. However, let's be realistic. The problem is there isn't peace on earth, right? Or let's maybe say it this way. There's not as much peace as we would like. There's no peace globally, I mean, our news is filled with wars and violence and shootings and suffering of people and the planet. The the very thing that we long for seems to elude us much of the time. And the same problem faced the very first followers of Jesus. You know, the very first people, the very first followers lived in a time of... uh, certainly economic hardship, certainly political unrest. Most of the followers of Jesus were a few meals away from starvation. You know, they weren't as comfortable as we are, that's for sure. And, you know, for the most part, Jesus didn't really attract the wealthy and the educated and the financially secure people. There's certainly some, uh, but overall, he didn't really attract the prosperous financial, uh, religious leaders of the day. In fact, they found him threatening and dangerous. No, it happened to be the people who found Jesus' teaching life-giving were often the most needy. And today, we're going to be looking at one of Jesus' most famous teachings. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, but actually, it's really not just a single sermon. It is many, many teachings sort of lumped together in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're only going to be looking at a tiny, tiny fraction of that. But it is one of the most famous sermons that he ever gave. It's called a Sermon on the Mount. And it was pretty much one of the earliest teachings he gave. And you'll recognize some of these, what we call, we've come to call the Beatitudes, the blessings. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the mourners. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the ones that long with every fiber of their being for God's way to be done in this world, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart and the peacemakers and those who are persecuted. One of the first teachings we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's like, well, who are these people? Who are the blessed? Are the poor and the mourners and the meek and the who are they? Jesus would say, well, they're my people. <laughs> they're my people. They're my followers. They're my followers. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. I'm just going to take one of these blessings or one of these beatitudes. And like I said, you know, the Sermon on the Mount um, is really a compilation of many, many teachings. Um, Let me read the line to you that starts the whole thing off. It says, he, Jesus, he began to speak to them and taught them. And that word taught in the original language, which is, of course, Greek New Testament, is in the imperfect tense, which simply means that he gave this teaching over and over and over again. This was uh, was a common teaching. Why? Well, it's just the same as us. The wisdom of Jesus, the wisdom that Jesus brings is not something that you hear once and receive it all and know it all and practice it all. It doesn't really seem to work that way. It seems to take a long, long time to live into this kind of wisdom. Uh, So today, like I said earlier, I want to just take uh, one description of what Jesus, uh, how Jesus described his followers. I'm going to look at uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, let me set the context for you for the Sermon on the Mount because this is at the very front end of his ministry. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago it began with his baptism. And that was all about being empowered for the task. And then last week we saw him call his disciples or call his students or his apprentices. So he's gathering people around him that will ultimately show the world how to live. Now, I know this is like a huge task when you think about it, but really the reason he gathered people around him and taught them According to his own words, he says, you're the light of the world. So once you begin to follow me, yeah, I know, it sounds hard to believe sometimes, but it's like, you are the light of the world, you will change the world, and you will show the world how to live. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he's basically laying out a code of behavior for shaping this new community. This new community we later come to call the church. Uh, early, the early peoples called it the people of the way, uh, or still earlier, when Jesus walked on the earth, they called it the disciples or the students. So, let me back up further. It's like, why did you come here, Jesus? Uh, well, because the world's a mess. There's a lot of darkness. And I'm going to show you another way to live in this world. I'm going to show you another way. There's a choice how we navigate this complicated, difficult, beautiful. I mean, it's such a mix. This is why it's so difficult. Uh, There's a choice how we live in this world. Not every path is good. Not every way is good. There's a broad path. There's a narrow path. Jesus would say, the people who follow me in my teachings, the people who love me, which, by the way, love to Jesus looks like obeying the teaching, will walk in this narrow path. And by narrow, I mean that it's narrow because it's not necessarily the common way nor the most popular way. By the way, if everyone was walking on the narrow path, there would be a whole lot more peace in this world. That's for sure. So for Jesus, when he says, you know, if you love me, you'll obey me, he's talking about this idea of, yeah, walking on this narrow path. So the very first sermon, Matthew 5, It's all about how the Jesus people live in this world. Are they different from the majority? Uh, Yeah, Jesus would say, yes, they are. Yes, they are. But I'll let you be the judge of that. First of all, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you one of the descriptions of God's people, Or you could say the family of Jesus or the family of God. There's so many ways to talk about this. You know, Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven. And again, I mentioned last week, this isn't a place. This is about a new reality. This is like a a, a new way of living in the world. And he says, let me describe, let me describe the followers to you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called Children of God. It's like, here's how it works. My people, they will be peacemakers in this world. They will be called children of God. They'll be part of, we could say, the family of God. Now, let's, let's back up a, a little bit more here. See if we can get a handle on this. If you think about your own family, if you come from a family that, say, loves football or tennis, chances are you were raised around a lot of football and tennis, right? Or let's say you come from a family that values education or art or music or good food, chances are you're going to grow up. Liking some of that stuff that you were raised with, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've always really liked to bake because my mother baked and my grandmother baked and I just love being around the kitchen. It just, it makes me feel good. I like it. It's, it's, it's nurturing. I love food. Oh, were you raised in a family that liked food? Yeah, I really was. Yeah, I was. Or pick anything, baseball. You like baseball? Yeah, I love baseball. My dad played baseball, my grandfather played, I just love watching the games baseball. So it's like sometimes the values of our family that we pick up, like uh, hard work or kindness or honesty, sometimes the values of our family are actually very, very helpful for living. And uh, sometimes they're not, right? Because we don't always, <laughs> we're not all from great families that taught us how to live well in this world. It's, and, and, and most of us are a bit of a mix, aren't we? Some of the things we learn from our family of origin are very helpful. And some of the things uh, that we learn from our family of origin are not so helpful, not so good. Well, when Jesus starts calling his family around him, his his students, and by the way, we're part of the family because he called us children of God. It's like he's starting off his ministry with, this is what is important to me. This is what is important to God. And he starts to list all these people who are blessed the poor the mourners the persecuted the peacemakers now as i said earlier i don't have time to go into every single one of them because it would take way too long but this one caught my attention this week blessed are the peacemakers it really kind of stood out for me uh Maybe because I was struggling more with peace this week. Who knows why some things leap off the page? Maybe it's because I haven't done it for a while either, spoken about it or thought about it. But um, yeah, there's something about being a peacemaker that reflects Jesus. After all, he was called the Prince of Peace, right? So this is something peace making it's like god's family values this this is important to god peace making now the challenge comes when people us the challenge for us is is when we keep the peace rather than make the peace remember i spoke about the broadway and the narrow way The broad way is, for some of us, is that we keep peace, not necessarily make peace. In other words, it's a lot easier on the surface to keep peace than make peace, right? So, But Jesus is saying peacekeeping isn't our task. It's like, well, what's wrong with peacekeeping? Well, because sometimes, sometimes when we're keeping the peace, we're faking it. Right? We just don't want any trouble. We just don't want any conflict with anyone. So what can happen is, is that we can go through life kind of disengaged. Because sometimes peacekeeping is easier than peace making. So for example, in, in your primary relationships with your partner, with your spouse, with your children. Uh, at work really whatever people gather we can ignore problems can't we maybe you came from a family where there were some no talk rules or maybe you're in a relationship where you think well I better not discuss that subject or it's just going to cause trouble and so things are hidden and they're not dealt with Jesus would say yeah that is definitely not peacemaking you know, to not talk about what should be discussed never really brings true peace. So we can ignore problems and we can not talk about what should be discussed and we can avoid confrontation and we can try to keep the surface cheery and conflict-free, but that is really not the peace that Jesus is talking about. That is simply avoidance. You know, that's not the kind of peace that Jesus is speaking about. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called. They are the children of God. No, he's after a much, much deeper kind of peace. And of course, you know, very hard to pass on peace to other people unless we start to have it within ourselves. You know, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. So it's like, my peace isn't like the world. I know that, you know, there's a lot of fake peace out there. But what I'm after for you is the kind of peace that you have regardless of what's going on regardless of your circumstances. See, that's a lot deeper, isn't it? That's a lot deeper kind of peace. And it's not the fake kind where we're just pretending everything is well. In any relationship, in any business setting, in any family setting, if there's internal tension, that's not peace. So when we lack peace, when we have internal tension, you know, could it be, you know, that we're not really, we're not maybe, maybe we're not being true to ourselves. Is that a part of it? Is that why we're not accessing this deeper peace? Well, that's very possible, isn't it? That's very possible. So it seems like peacemaking, for the most part, is is intentional work. And I think I'm going to add, it sometimes feels like hard work. You know, we go through times in our lives where we don't really have to think too much about peacemaking because, I don't know, everything seems to be going along nicely. And then something happens... We go through loss, or we go through sickness, or we go through rocky times in a relationship. Uh, yeah, and then and then it seems like peace is more difficult to hold on to. So I think I'm going to suggest here that the the peacemaking that Jesus Talks about doesn't just simply happen to us. It's really something that we have to be quite intentional about. Uh, yeah, I was thinking today, as when I was out on my walk, I mean, if we want to keep internal peace, we have to be pretty careful about telling ourselves the truth, reminding ourselves of what is true. Uh, moving forward and moving ahead with things that we know are ours to do. You know, by the way, Jesus, you know, if you watch, if you look at the way he lived, we can learn so much from him because, you know, sometimes, now remember, his name is the Prince of Peace, right? So this is the one who knows all about how to (laughs) live with peace. Uh, Sometimes with Jesus, he was um, very free to correct people, direct confrontation. Like if he's thought that something was wrong and way out of line, he would say something. He would say something. He would use direct confrontation. did this with the religious leaders more than once. That's something that many of us would avoid because we'd think, oh, that's not going to help and it's just going to cause trouble. For him, it was like, no, sometimes you need to be direct. And then at other times in his life, he was very, very gentle with people and he would lead people to truth. He would set up conversations in such a way that they would uh, come to the realization themselves. Like, for example, I'm thinking about the woman at the well and, and John's gospel. Won't, don't go into, I won't have go into it just now because it would take too long. But in his conversation with the woman at the well, he didn't... Um, yeah, he was fairly direct, but he also allowed her to come to her own realizations... So sometimes he would show people what was wrong. Sometimes he would reveal things that were holding someone back. And then sometimes he would just give space for people to choose their own path, like the, the young ruler, even if he chose the wrong way. He had so many different ways of dealing with people, but it was always truthful, and it never, uh, he never shied away from honesty which is a part of peacemaking. Sometimes he bluntly corrected people, like, oh, Peter, you're so wrong. That is not what we're going to do. That is not the way we're going to live. And then sometimes he was incredibly gentle with people that no one else had time for, like, say, I don't know, Zacharias, um, the tax collector. Sometimes he was very, very gentle and... um, So he had all these different ways of working with different people. Point being, he he never shied away from getting involved. He never shied away from saying what needed to be said, being completely honest, and his way ultimately was always to bring people peace, with themselves, peace with one another, and peace with God. See, these three aspects are so important, you know? It's not enough to just to have one area. We need all three. And Jesus taught on all three. Peace with ourselves, peace with one another, in relationship, and peace with God. So important, all three. But when all three are moving in that direction, it's like, yeah, that's when we're sort of moving in that direction of being a peacemaker in this world. It is one of the family values, you could say, of Jesus. One of the the family values of the people of God. It's like you will be a peacemaker in this world. Why? Because it's important to you and you can't not be in some ways. You want it for yourself. You want it for the people you love. You also want it for the people around you. And there's sort of like a trickling down effect because, you know, when you start to have peace with yourself, then you start to have a little bit more time for other people outside your closest family, right? And then when you have a little bit of time for other people, you have a little bit more time for a larger group, maybe a community. And then it goes a, a little bit further. Maybe you get more concerned about a particular group of people or a particular issue or something that's hurting, or someone who's hurting, or people that are hurting, or cultures that are hurting. kind of has a rippling effect, peacemaking. And so you'll often find that, you know, once people have peace with themselves, start to get concerned about other people, and they want to share that kind of peace. And that's kind of the way that it works. Blessed are the peacemakers... They will be called the children of God and they will go into this world and they will leave a trail of peace behind them. Everyone you touch, in whatever way it is, you might think it's really small. It might not seem like much to you. But yeah, God uses you to bring peace to this broken world. There's the prayer. There's the prayer, there's the heart cry. God, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the reminder that you use me to bring peace to this world and those around me. Thank you. And thank you for joining me. And join with me again next week for another episode of Celtic Creature.